Greetings, and welcome to the Tapestry Podcast. My name is Chris Turner. Tapestry is the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. Joining me today is Ryan North, Executive Director of Tapestry. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hey, Chris. It's nice to be here in the uh, recording studio here at Irving Bible Church. So, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what we hope to accomplish with the Tapestry Podcast? One of the things that the thoughts that we had behind doing this, um, you know, we're in the car so much or, um, you know, as families, because, uh, you know, when you have big families like most adoptive and foster parents have, there's a lot of activities. And so we're we're in the car a lot um, if we do get a chance to, to exercise. Uh, but we're always, um, we always have some sort of means to have sound with us. You know, a lot of people love video as a medium. Um, I like it too because I'm a visual learner. So seeing the speaker is helpful to me. But we were kind of thinking that, you know, um, we can just discuss some things about parenting, some of the techniques that we teach in Power to Connect and, and do them in like 20-minute chunks. And so um, just kind of put something out there that, that parents would have an opportunity to listen to that would maybe just be something that would, that would help them in a situation, maybe have them think about something. But uh, at the end of the day, the idea behind all of this was just to do, you know, 20-minute audio segments um, discussing parenting, connected parenting, empowering our kids, and all of those things that are important to us. All right. So in that vein, let's get started. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the importance of connection um, with our adoptive and foster kids. So, Ryan, why is connection so important? Why is connection so important? Right. So, um, you know, you would hear the term connection. You might hear it referred to as attachment as well. Uh, generally, um, you can tell that, you know, lay people like us would call it connection and, and people, um, the professionals and therapists might refer to it as attachment, but it just determines the quality of the relationship, both the depth and the breadth. And so uh, Jane Schooler said something that we heard last year. Uh, Jane Schooler, of course, the author of Wounded Children Healing Homes, um, she said that your level of attachment determines your ability to tolerate someone's behavior. And so um, when when I heard her say that, uh, I thought to myself, I think that's something I've always intuitively understood, but probably um, I probably wasn't able to, to, to capture it that succinctly. Um, your level of attachment determines your ability to tolerate someone's behavior. And so you think about... Um, you know, your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your children, your siblings, your parents, whatever, when those, when those are, are going well, it's usually when you feel most connected to them. Um, but when conflict arises is generally at times when that connection is suffering, right? So we're, we're just kind of coming through a really, really busy season in our family and, um, my wife and I haven't been spending as much the kind of quality time together as we would like to or have traditionally done. And so I noticed this week that we were kind of real chippy with each other. Uh, and, it, and it, I mean, connection suffers instantly. It's not like this long process. It's just been, been about two weeks since Kayla and I just did something together, just the two of us. And, and so that was just really, really true for me yesterday. In our, in our home. It's really quite surprising how quickly it can go downhill, yes. even with the people that you are closest to in your life. Yes. And so um, we add the, the extra layer in our families is that, um, you know, our kids are coming home uh, at ages two, four, you know, sometimes even those are our kids, right? Sometimes even older than that. And so we have, we have this, this relational deficit with them. And I think we have to be honest with each other that, that working to build that relationship is is work. It's something we have to do, and you know, it, 
And so that's why it's important because a connection is just a, is just a quality of relationship, and it is our responsibility as parents to be the initiators of that. I think sometimes we put pressure on our kids to drive the quality of the relationship, and I think that um, that, that responsibility is ours. You know, I I remember telling somebody once that in the parent-child relationship, all of the responsibility to act like an adult is yours, uh, and and that was has had mixed reviews the few times I've said that. Um, but I think that it's absolutely true that we're the adults. And um, when we welcome um, our kids into our family, when they come home, we, we certainly from that day have to be the initiators of building the quality of that relationship. Because if our kids are going to learn to trust and feel secure and, and all of the things that we want for them, um, those things don't happen if there isn't any real connection to, to the other members of the family. So some of you listening might be wondering, um, how can I get better at connecting with my child? And so one of the questions you probably want to ask yourself is, do you spend most of your time with your child focusing on connecting, empowering, or correcting? And it's not so much that as a parent, we're going to do just one of these three things. We want to try to do all three of them. So Ryan... Tell us a little more how we can find that balance. Okay, so balance is is a, is, is a great word there, Chris, because if you um, are like most of us, and so I'll speak for myself here, um, and, and maybe you can chime in and kind of tell us a little bit about how it goes at your house, but um, one of the things that the primary influencer of, of my parenting is how I was parented. Right, so my parents um, taught me a lot of things, but but those things can be divided into two categories: how to do something, and how to not do something. So I find that my parenting, for the most part, that which comes naturally is going with what I know, or going. You know what? I didn't. That didn't really work for me as a child growing up. We're going to try something else, and going against what I know. And so what I know is correction is the number one thing. Um, the parents do my parents um those their 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 go to and for me that's kind of where i started too so i think that's kind of the default for for most parents so i think it's the easiest it's the easiest right it requires the least effort right so um you know my dad was uh was is um <laughs> a yeller uh when 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 things kind of get a little bit heated up relationally whether that be um you know, kids just kind of, you know, being loud, which, you know, you put six kids in a room and they're going to be loud. That's just one of the realities. But um, the way to correct that issue is to yell, right? That's what, what I saw growing up. And so I find... It's the fastest way to get everyone's attention. It is the fastest way. And so what I find when I'm kind of under pressure a little bit as a parent, my, my volume increases. Um, I'm not sure it's hyper-effective. And it is also ironic that my choice for getting things to be quiet is to add to the noise which as my kids are getting older they're trying to figure that out i'm like um you know so you know we have to focus on connecting and empowering our kids and you know if we don't if we're not connected to our children then correction isn't going to be as effective if we don't empower our children then correction is going to be more necessary right so that's why in the sequence of things a correction comes third because the connecting is so important because if I didn't have a real relationship, uh, th- think, think about me and you, right? We met each other some years ago as we've gotten to know each other. Um, I think we speak more freely with each other. That's like any relationship because number one, 
I would feel the freedom to speak more freely with you. And number two, you would receive the receive my candor or whatever it is uh, more because there is a relationship that the opposite is true, right? When you meet somebody and they say something to you, you're like, who the heck are they? And why do they think they can speak to me like that? Right. But two years into the relationship, we just kind of laugh about it, mm. right? So that's why that, that connection is so important because it builds real relationship. And uh, out of that real relationship, I think our kids trust our correcting more. Like um, if there's no real relationship, correction can be perceived as um, – you just want me to do things your way can be perceived as a lot of ne- negative things. But if that correction is born out of real connection, um, there's a real chance that our kids are going to trust that, okay, I may not like this, but I have this long history of dad wanting what's best for me. And so, I, I, you know, even if in that moment they don't process it like that, I think we can get past moments that need correction a lot better because of the correct connection. So what does a real-world example of this connecting while correcting look like? Um, one of the things that, um, that we've started doing, and we've, you know, we've known this for years, but haven't really, really done this a lot until recently. And part of that is because a friend of ours, uh, the night we moved into our new home, she called up and she said, hey, can I bring you guys dinner? And, and it was a real, uh, she's an adoptive and foster mom, and so um, it was a real busy day for her. I don't think she really had time to bring us dinner, but she did it in any case, and she was just really frazzled in our home. And um, and so I said, hey, give me hands and eyes, like like Dr. Purvis does, his hands and eyes. And I took her hands, I looked in her eyes, I said, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to to come and bring us dinner. And she kind of just took a breath and said, oh, oh you're welcome, you're welcome. So she left with her kids, she didn't stay very long. Um, about three weeks later, I had to go down to Houston and... Um, had to get it from the north west side to the southeast side of downtown at like six o'clock at night. So for anybody that's ever been to Houston, you know that that is um, both, a, that is a painful fool's errand. And so I'm it sit- takes the patience of Job. It, well, fortunately she called me uh, and it was distracting in as much that, you know, engaging with her on the phone helped me sort of disengage my rage on the highway. Um, but anyhow, she called me, she said, Hey, I, I just, I got to tell you something. And I said, what's going on? She said, you know, when I came over to your house a few weeks ago and brought dinner for you guys, um, you did that hands and eyes thing. And I just really was kind of annoyed and, and, and just kind of like, I'm like, what's he doing? But I thought about it afterwards and I've been doing it with my son. And she said, um, we're going from dysregulation to regulation a lot faster now because it's not just an emotional connection. We're actually physically connected. We're holding hands, um, which is which has multiple benefits. Number one, we're physically connected. But number two, it also creates a reasonable separation of personal space between people. And uh, we're looking in each other's eyes. And so I've been doing that with one of my sons the last couple of weeks. And he kind of rolled his eyes at me the first time, um, <laughs> the older of the two sons. Uh, and... But you know what? I did it on Wednesday, and he didn't roll his eyes. He just kind of stood there and engaged me. And so uh, that is like that's obviously physical uh, connection, but it speaks to our emotional connection because you know we do stuff together, right? Building that connection is just you know there's a list of like a hundred ways to nurture your child on the tapestry website. Um, you know, hugs and kisses, sing songs. Some of our kids don't like being touched. You no, know, just being goofy. Uh, my my older kids like it when we play board games with them. So Kelly and I'll try to. Um, try to every once in a while as sort of, you know, 
as things kind of unfold in our home, you know, sit down and play dominoes with them or Farkle. They love that dice game. Um, my son's so competitive and it allows you to be like competitive instantly. But just doing things that aren't related to, to parenting, you know, I find that we build great connection with our kids when we're not trying to parent our kids, but just be with our kids. You know, Kayla's taking the two oldest girls tomorrow. Um, they're going to get pedicures together just for giggles, right? Um, that is something that my daughters have looked insanely forward to. As a matter of fact, their enthusiasm for it is so great that sometimes we don't even tell them what's going on until it's going on. Like, um, we're going to the movies tonight. None of my children know that because they would have been unbearable yesterday. <laughs> is it time to go ahead? Can we go tonight? Yeah. So just, you know, connecting with your, with your family, having fun. You know, uh, one of my kids does, isn't a big talker. You know, we connect with each other by just sitting next to each other on the couch. That's it. We watched some sport, sporting event recently. I don't remember what it was. But he said, hey, can I sit by you? Sure. He sat, put his head on my shoulder. That was it. And that's a great moment of connection for us. So um, doing the work of connection before there's need for correction is really, really where it needs to be done. Now, you obviously can't connect while you're correcting. Right? You give me eyes, make emotional connections, um, the, the hands and eyes thing, you know, being with each other, you know, time ends. Um, we will sit with our youngest on the bottom step and just kind of hang there with her. If she'll let you, um, we'll put her in our lap and, and have that physical connection. And, but I think that building that relationship, think of connection in terms of relationship, you have to do all of that work ahead of the correction and not just in the moment of correction. So parents, what gets in the way of you spending more time focusing on connecting with your child? Well, I can think of myriad things right off the bat, uh, having to fix a meal, work, having to do laundry, uh, general cleaning and picking up of the 50 million toys that needing a minute are usually scattered all over the house. Yeah. So what are some ways that Ryan, that we could, uh, find some time for connecting with our children. You, you mentioned a few just a few minutes ago, but uh, what might be some other things we could, we could tr- try? So, um, uh, you know, as we um, were a newlywed couple, um, as most people in that situation would have experienced, um, there's no shortage of people who want to give you advice. <laughs> and so that's, that's a double-edged sword because a lot of that advice is good advice, and a lot of it um, really comes across as this worked for me, so it has to work for you. And, but a lot of that good that advice is good. And I remember somebody telling us that um, when your children move out, um, you won't wish that your house was cleaner. You would have wished you spent more time with them. Uh, and, you know, my kids, I don't know what your kids are like. Perhaps you can share it with us. But my kids are in varying degrees of separating from mom and dad. My oldest son says, how old do I have to be to move out of the house? And... uh and I said, well, you at least have to get out of high school. And he's like, Dale. <laughs> and so he is somebody that will probably want to go to college. Um, out of state. Uh, out of state or out of reasonable car drive to come and visit. Mm. So so the, the closest he'll probably want to be to home is A&M. Um, he's a big fan of the Aggies. That'll probably be you know closest in concentric circles moving out. My daughters, on the other hand, our oldest daughter told us she was never leaving home. And so... Um, Which fills you with a different sort of dread. <laughs> so so um, we asked, you like, oh, that's sweet, honey, that's sweet, honey, you know, do, do like, you know, dorky uh, parent response. But I asked her one time, I said, why don't you want to leave home? And she looked me in the eye and she said, because when you and mom die, I'll have a free house. 
So the sweetness of I just want to be near you was crushed in that moment. Our middle, our second daughter, we have four. So our second daughter, she told me that um, she didn't want to leave home and that um, she didn't want to get married. And then recently she told us she was going to get married, but that she was going to live at home with her husband. So she, she'll be eight this year. So that will change, um, sadly. <laughs> Uh, pretty qu- pretty quickly in the next few years, um, she'll be asking the how old do I have to be to move out of the house questions herself. But you know those 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 are kind of our our kids at home. So one of the things um, that I had to become okay with uh, because I things don't have to be super neat for me, but I do have to feel like there's some sense of order in the house. And so um, you know Kayla homeschools the kiddos, and you know they'll take breaks and stuff. And so. Um, they're just kind of wrapping up the school day usually when when I walk in at night and um, and then they'll have the you know everybody's got to pack their books away and everybody's got to clean up the toys and stuff and so by the time we sit down for dinner things are pretty decently put together at our house but um, we have to realize that making sure the house is clean and perfect and and show ready as it were is always going to be the second you know if I have to choose between that. And spending more time with my kids, I have to choose spending more time with my kids. And, if, and one of the mistakes we have made over the years and still make today is choosing um, the clean house over time with the kids. So, you know, last, I guess Monday when I got home from work, um, I called Kayla and I said, hey, um, can you guys wrap schooling up early? And she said, yeah, we, we, we had a pretty good day today and got everything done. And so I picked them up, loaded all the kids up in the car and went to the park. And just played in the park um, with the kids. And, you know, there's always stuff to do. There's always another email that you need to respond to. And and I sometimes get in the habit of walking in the door and saying hi and flipping open my laptop and getting back to things. Um, But we have to choose. um, I have to choose quality time with our kids as much as we can. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we eat dinner at 830 at night, you know. And people say, well, we eat so late with such small children. And we say, no, you know, we're just, we're just European. Uh, <laughs> we're impersonating Spain right now. But you know what? Uh, dinner at 8.30 at night um, was worth it because we got to run around in the park for an hour. And, uh, and running around the park, it's, it's amazing what that requires. I sit on a bench, and I'm the keeper of the jackets and the water bottles because the kids are just running wild in the playground. And it's not just that, you know, We'll play like, you know, kick the ball around, throw the ball around or whatever. But most of the time they don't want to do that. They just want mom or dad to take them to the park so they can just run. They love being outside. And so it it's small adjustments, Chris. I know people, you know, a lot of times you think of all the things we have to do. But at the end of the day, my, my kid's childhood has to be um, when my children leave the, our house. This is what we want for our kids. We want them to come back on Christmas because they want to be with us, because of the quality of the relationship we have with them, not because they feel obligated, because mom and dad will be unhappy if we don't come. Mm. That, 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 that's, that's what we want. Everything else, you know, all the other goals that parents have for their kids um, are great, but in terms of relational goals for our children, that's what we want. We want them to go, you know what, we just love being around mom and dad, we love being in that home, that has so many happy memories for us. There were, even, there were tough times in our home and tough experiences, but I always felt like we were in it together, that that's what we want for our kids. I know that uh, for my own boys, you know, my wife and I, we have three, and uh, right now their ages are t- twelve, seven, and four. And uh, in case you have been living under a rock, the was a new Star Wars movie released back in December, and uh, the Star Wars movies were an integral part of my own childhood. And so this was a a great opportunity to share, 
a first-run Star Wars movie with all three of my boys. And uh, they, of course, loved it, as most boys are going to. And we've had numerous lightsaber battles in our backyard <laughs> as a result since. And, yeah, there's there's no... Uh, there's not many great feelings that you're going to top with your seven-year-old comes up and says, Daddy, can you come lightsaber fight with us? Yeah. And the answer to that is always yes. 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 So do you guys have, like, you know, plastic lightsabers? and We have many plastic lightsabers. You got a Kylo Ren? I do not, uh, the oldest child received a Kylo Ren lightsaber for Christmas. And awesome. Dad, Dad kind of takes that one over <laughs> a little bit. This could degenerate into Star Wars talk pretty quickly. It, it could, but we'll try to stay on task. We, we have a, um, we have a, a visual uh, uh, encyclopedia of Star Wars um, that, that's through the first six movies. And um, my three-year-old... Who who's not even not yet three and a half, but she's watched all the Star Wars movies uh, with her siblings, uh, the original three. She's watched those. There, there you go. We don't own the second three. Nor, nor should you. Thank you. I knew I knew you'd, you'd love that. Uh, but last night when I got home, she had the Star Wars encyclopedia and she had it to uh, Darth Sidious, and she said, "Daddy, Daddy, that's Darth Vader's master." <laughs> wow, that's impressive for a three-year-old. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this discussion today, and next time we're going to continue talking about more connecting with your child, as well as uh, how their backgrounds play a role. Our adoptive and foster kids come from a hard place, and what exactly is a hard place? We'll get more into that in our next podcast. I'd like to thank Ryan for being on the podcast today. If awesome. you Good to be with you. If you have a question for us, and it will fit into 140 characters, you may tweet it to us at tapestryibc and hashtag it podcast. If you require a little bit more room, you may email us or connect with us on Facebook. Ryan, how might our listeners do that? Awesome. So the email address is tapestry at irvingbible.org, and the Facebook is just tapestry IBC. It's the same as, as the Twitter. It's tapestry IBC, so you can just search for that. You can also uh, go to Empower to Connect on Facebook, and that's Connected Child. It's also at Connected Child on Twitter. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Just search for Tapestry. We will provide uh, links in our show notes to all of these areas, as well as a few items we may have discussed. And we'd like to thank you for listening and hope to see you next time. Awesome. See you, Chris. Thanks. Thanks.